everybody. You got opposed in the matrix here. Oh boy, folks, you talk about problems. <laughs> we, uh, I thought I had everything licked. I had another setup. Uh, uh, my, uh, make things short. My dog destroyed my headphone setup and, um, I had to set something else up in the interim and it didn't work. Um, it worked great if you just wanted to listen to me, but there are three people that I think that are, um, right now a lot more important than me. And, um, and I want to be able to include them in our, uh, discussion. I think that's very important. And, um, so anyway, um, without further ado, um, gentlemen, I want to welcome you, uh, Brian, uh, Eric, and Jim. Hello, guys. Hello. Hey. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, Hi. you guys are coming across, across nice and clear. Beautiful. Okay. Um, so we were, the purpose of the show, and we're getting a half hour late start, again, I apologize, um, is to debrief about the show that we had last week with Jonathan Gray which was an exceptional show. We want to be able to uh, uh, talk about that and maybe build upon that, uh, that on that premise. So um, anyway, uh, guys, uh, I uh, was awestruck. Uh, Brian, you were, I don't you were interrupted when we were trying to do the, the show the first time here. Uh, so uh, why don't you go ahead and um, if you can remember what you were saying, repeat what you, Talked about how you were affected um, by by last week's show with Jonathan Gray. I was affected by all the technology that was in the ancient world that were never really taught in Bible college or church or anywhere. And I already knew that some of this stuff was out there, but I didn't know it was so prevalent and so advanced. Right. And um, I just it what I said earlier is that man basically hasn't changed because in the recording. Uh, uh, what we heard on the tab, what Jonathan said about the tablet, is that Lemick talking about his great 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 grandfather and Adam was basically complaining about that he believed in his old fashioned God. Uh huh. And and so it just it blew me away, and that it sounded like it would be a conversation that somebody would have today. That's right, huh? So, yeah. Yeah, it does. It, it reminded me of a conversation today. I mean, with all the political stuff going on and the COVID and all this, I was like, this, that could have been a conversation that happened just yesterday. And it just yeah. reminds me of how mankind just is the same, you know? Uh, and does that remind you of a scripture? <laughs> yeah, it did. I can't Noah. think of it like, yeah. So it just, it just, I mean, he blew me away at every time he was, he, I mean, about the Ark of the Covenant. I won't go into that because I know some of you guys want to talk about, I don't want to do everything. But it's just, if it, it just, every time man gets to the point where he thinks he's God with his technology, God slaps him back. Yeah. Every single time. He did it at the flood, he did it at Babel, and he's going to do it again not too far in our future. Uh, and in the midst of all that, the reason he did it was because God has his own timetable. And man tries to speed up the timetable by doing his own thing and uh, and and putting the lie out there that God doesn't exist, like in what we heard last week, what Lamech said, 
the old-fashioned God of, of my grandfather. When when he dies, his old religion will die with him. And right. I was like, my goodness, this could have been just yesterday. And yeah. and and it's so it made me think about how God had to force man to stop doing what he was doing by using every means possible so the so Yeshua, the Messiah, could be born as a man to right. die and raise from the dead for us. Because all this technology and all this stuff leads to Jesus. It all yeah. points to him. And so what I got out of it was God's plan all along wasn't man's technology. It wasn't man's haughtiness and man going to the moon. It was God's plan is to save man from hell, to bring the Messiah at a certain appointed time that was prophesied 100 years before in the Old Testament, to do that so man could actually get saved and meet the God of Adam personally. Right. And that's what I got out of it. I got that God is totally in control of every human event, even what's going on right now with our election that's about to happen, whichever way that goes. It, it, we, we, we vote, but God appoints leaders. He does. Right. And he puts it in the hearts of the people in this country <laughs> to vote with the way they're going to vote. But in the end, whether we like it or not, God put that leader there for his plan only. Right. Not for my plan, not for my will, uh, not for what I want or anybody wants, but what God wants. And uh, and I, I could see with technology and the things we talked about in the past on the show, why things are heating up so fast. Um, man's technology is incredibly speeding up. It's probably way more advanced than we've talked about than we know because we're being it's being hidden from us. But um, God's not going to let us get to that point. He's going to intervene, mm-hmm. and that's what I got out of it last night. God intervened and brought right. the flood, and uh, it was amazing that that message in that tablet. And I believe it was a real tablet, similar to ours. Uh, like an iPod. Better. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, a lot better. It lasted thousands of years under the ground. I don't think my uh, my Samsung would last five minutes under the ground. So <laughs> that's all I got to say. I was just blown away. I was just uh, I just feel like um, I want to pick his brain some more because um, he's got a lot 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 to give. Uh, Jonathan does. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. For you, Brian, it's like a wake up shake up, right? Oh yeah, I I I was talking to Dave the next day, I think, and he mentioned, and I agree, I feel like I got saved again. I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> saved. I'm a believer, but I had that same feeling inside the Holy spirit was just like, it's like you're reading the Bible and a certain passage just jumps out at you or a word for that day. That's how that was that night. The whole night jumped out at me and I realized I was supposed to be here to listen to that. I was supposed to hear that. And God reminded me, with knowledge comes responsibility. And so I'm asking God to show me what to do with that responsibility. And part of it is what I brought up tonight. If, Dave, you need money for whatever you need to make the show, uh, I don't have a lot, but I'll pitch him what I can. Because who's ever listening tonight, uh, the word of God is real and it's true. And he is faithful to bring it about. And Amen. we need, 
And we need to be sober-minded, sober in spirit, always praying. And we need to be wise uh, like, uh, like a dove, you know, just, just gentle as a dove and wise as a, spirit, a serpent. And just we need to do this because we're living in really dark times right now. And mankind is using technology to mess with us physically. Right. And I believe that if you're sober-minded in the spirit and having the word of God flow through you and read your Bible as best you can and be knowledgeable about what's going on, that you'll be spared from that. You'll be, you won't be sucked into the lies because even believers can be tricked. Yeah. Um, especially if they don't know the truth. And, and I'm done with one thing, you know, the analogy, they teach somebody how to find a fake counterfeit bill is they show them the real one. Yeah. And when they learn how the real one feels and what it looks like in their hand, they know when they have a fake one. Mm-hmm. And, Believers out there, especially, and whoever's listening, needs to know what the truth really is, what's really going on in the times we're living. Right. Um, I truly believe that. That is so true. You know, it's, um, and it all goes back to that scripture, and as in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. You know, and, and that, um, I think that's the scripture that got hammered home for me uh, last Monday night. Is that uh, how close we are? Would you say so, Jim? Uh, yeah. Um, no, definitely. So go ahead, guys. Expound on that, if you if you will, if you wish. Eric, you want to go? Uh, sure. Uh, in regard to the days of Noah. Yeah. Sure. Well, you know, a lot of people are thinking, you know. This is another bump in the road, you know, the same as it ever was, um, as our forefathers before us. But yet, um, you're seeing that uh, technology is leaping leaps and bounds, uh-huh. and where we're going to see, you know, you know, they already have technology that's 50, 60 years ahead of what you know you and I use as a consumer. Um, we get the, we get all the j- junk technology. Um, they have the elite have all the real um, big stuff. Um, you can see that we're going to have the means to cheat death. Um, you know, our own, Satan's own form of immortality um, mm-hmm. versus what God has to offer. We can see that's coming. Um, and you can just see that, you know, the, the world is becoming more unstable. Um, you know, a lot of things are happening in the churches. I don't know if you guys seen it. Um, but uh, as I've discussed before, the 501c3 church, um, you know, they kind of, you know, it's all about the money now. Right. And, um, right. And everything's pandered towards, you know, whatever social justice type, you know, thing that's going on, whether that's um, Black Lives Matters or, um, in fact, I just had a, had a friend that told me that uh, uh, they had a, they're starting to promote that in his church, and they actually made everybody sign a 30-page document saying that they could never discuss their political beliefs in church, ever. Oh, really? Right. So what has Mark Taylor echoed about that? Basically, um, that when the Johnson Amendment was signed, um, you know, the, ch- 
the church gave up its authority and its ability to politically speak out. And so now we have churches that are really kind of panicky about anybody talk about anything too controversial. So that's why you're seeing things like this actually show up. So right. but anyways, but back to the days of Noah, you know, we have all the indoctrination um, uh, through TV, movies, comics, you name it, in regards yeah. to uh, UFOs, aliens, um, all the concepts of time travel um, that have been ingrained, you know, at maybe at a more elementary level, you know, back in the, you know, 40s and 50s, but has gotten far more sophisticated as, you know, the generations have been indoctrinated uh, in this whole culmination that's going to eventually end up happening in the end times, and that is the great UFO alien deception by Satan. So, um, and we're on the cusp of that for sure. Right. Um, soon, I think. Uh, probably, you know, by Jim's opinion, I, you know, you know what he, what he states, it's it's sooner than even I expect. Um, or and I could be a little bit in self denial myself a little bit, but I I don't think there's much time left, to be honest, yeah. Um, not that I've all set any date or anything like that. I just think. Um, we're, we're reaching the pinnacle of globalization and um, and all these various technologies. And, you know, you can see that the churches, you know, are really are up against a wall. Um, they're, they're run more like businesses and corporations than actual churches anymore. Um, yeah. You, you can just, you can kind of see that. And the, the flow of information is so readily available now on any subject you want, you know, there isn't anything that you can't have understanding of, you know, if you go out and research. But, of course, a lot of that's starting to be censored now by Google and YouTube and all these, um, you know, these entities because, you know, a lot of people are starting to put the pieces and puzzles together. Um, and they're knowing that um, people are kind of starting to figure out the plan of, you know, what's really kind of going on. And they're trying to combat stopping that information from flowing to us as people. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I um, I belong to, uh, or I don't belong, I belong to Jesus, but um, I subscribe to uh, some things on Facebook that have to do with our community uh, east of here, uh, Sweet Home, and I'm noticing more and more that your common everyday person, not necessarily your your believer in Jesus or Yeshua, um, they're picking up on this stuff. They're picking up on the fact that um, uh, they're trying to enslave us, that uh, they're trying to write all these laws in order to um, put us down and, and um, uh, move us away from the city or from our, our country homes to the cities. And um, I've never seen an onslaught as much as I have lately of uh, people against the governor here in the state. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, praise the Lord. Um, but it's, it's, it's amazing just to see the people, um, banding together people from different walks of life and everything else. And we're not just talking about church people. As a matter of fact, I think that, um, dare I say that it's the secular people that are getting in and it's the Christians that aren't. Yeah, um, that's actually what I'm seeing as well. Yeah. I see a lot of um, uh, deadness in the 501c3 churches. Mm-hmm. They don't quite know what's going on. They're living in fear. They're bowing to the, you know, the mask mandate and all this stuff. Um, 
you know, they're, they're totally tolling the line because honestly they have no choice because they, they are bound to that 501c3 system and therefore they have to comply with all this stuff. They wouldn't have to right. if, they, if, if they were their own entity, but uh-huh. um, they have chosen, you know, that path. So they don't know quite what to do, it seems like, because, you know, a lot of people aren't. I don't know if it's like this where you guys are at, but I know around here there's a lot of people that aren't. They're not entering the churches, you know. A lot of them are watching virtually. You know, right. a lot of their co- their coffers are, are down in money. Um, this may be part of what, you know, Mark Taylor prophesied in regards to, um, you know, the end of, you know, corporate structured churches, you know, the end of the 501c3 type um, setup that we've had for so long. Right. So right. I don't mean to keep bringing up 501c3. 501c3 so much, but... Um, well, it's something that's on your heart. It's something that's important, it to you, and it's on our yeah. hearts, too. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, just, you know, not, not to mention where I go or anything like that, but there's a lot of mention of Black Lives Matters. I think the lives of blacks definitely matter. That's that's not the issue. It's just that Black Lives Matter is not an interactional organization to actually help the lives of African Americans. It's 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 actually not predominantly made up of African-Americans anyway. It's actually made to funnel money and raise money into the DNC coffers. And it actually doesn't yeah. go to actually help the lives of, of black people in general. So, of course, it's a, it's a communist Marxist ideology completely. But the churches don't seem to recognize that, you know. Right. Um, right. Neither does sports. Um the other day, oh, yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, I, I don't know if you've been watching, but um, they've been playing games. They've been playing baseball games to em- in empty stadiums, which I don't care about. You know, I, I like watching baseball, yeah. and, you know, if I was the only person in the stands, it wouldn't bother me. But anyway, um, the other day they, there was a group of guys out there. I think one, one of the whole one whole team um, had Black Lives Matter T-shirts on. And it's just, like you said, Eric, I believe all lives matter, and, and yep. I do. I, I do believe that, you know, the black community in this country has been oppressed and suppressed and, and they've been used yep. as political objects by the Democratic Party and some, and in some cases the Republicans and conservatives. Not as much, however. But, um, you know, so all lives matter. And, and to see, see, it used to be you went to a baseball game to get away from work and to get away from politics. Yep. You know, and, and now you can't even go to any kind of sporting yep. event without having to participate in the political junk. Well, and, and as far as yeah. I'm concerned, you know, they could take sports. You know, the communists you know, used to say that religion was the opiate of the people. Well, I disagree. In this country, anyway, it's sports is the opiate right. of the people. And, and that's kind of the thing I was going to get to. Um, what you're seeing here um, is actually going to end up being a, a blessing uh, because, you know, Everybody has poured their time and effort into professional sports. It's kind of it's almost a religion in in itself, you know. Right. Um, but now what's going to happen is they're going to go obviously very crazy about the social justice warrior stuff into every aspect of professional sports. Well, it's in, it's probably going to end up uh, greatly diminishing or even destroying some of these leagues to the point to where they collapse. Right. Right. So what happens to the people once these distractions are no longer in place? They start looking around and realizing what's going on around them, you know, as far as a country. It it gets them off of it. The distraction's gone. 
that can start, you know, watching what's actually going on in our country. Mm-hmm. And that's what actually is, is going to end up coming into happen out of this whole thing. So, exactly. Um, not that sports are bad. They're, they're a great thing for people to play and kids to play and stuff. But, you know, I, like I've seen that they've infected the church to the point to where things are so competitive with them. Um, if you're not on traveling teams with your kids or whatever, you know, you, uh, you're not in church on Sunday ever. And, you know, you're never in Sunday school because you're traveling with your team and, and soon those types of things start to die. And that's right. the exact thing I, I've been witnessing. And it's, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's the same all over the place, you know, it's become the new God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, good call. Really good yep. call because it's, um, it, it wasn't always that way. You no, know? it wasn't. Not even, probably even 20 years ago, it wasn't that way. Yeah. Um, there was a time even with my church, you know, uh, if, if the kids play tournaments and stuff and the games fell on, even on Sunday, they, they, would, they would forfeit the game. Right. Um, so that they could be in church. But those those days have long passed. So unfortunately, yeah, it's a sad yeah. truth. It really it is. is. But um, yeah, I, I just um, yeah, it is a blessing in disguise because um, you, you could kind of look at sports as, and and other things too that are that have been quashed um, recently, um, either by COVID nineteen or um, or by uh, these social matters that are going on. You can well, see Hollywood. Hollywood be a big example. All these movie theaters are they're shut, they're shut down. They're yeah. not making any movies. These celebs they got no work. Yeah. And I think you're you're gonna see a systematic, um, you know, either complete collapse or it's gonna be such a fraction of what it used to be that it, you know Hollywood isn't necessarily gonna have the impact it once had or the influence. That's a, I think maybe. a lot of people are literally getting a little sick and tired of you know the um the high horse that a lot of these people sit on telling us how to live our lives but yet you know not that every hollywood celebrity is is this way um but you know you and i we're all very well of the uh child trafficking rings that hollywood is integrated with yeah and uh they're all silent about it they scream about everything else but they're silent on that so Mm -hmm. you know they're reaping what they sowed so yeah, from my right. standpoint, but yeah, well, that's a baby I wouldn't mind seeing being thrown out with the bathwater, so to speak. Yeah, but, uh, I, I'd like to see it, you know, things drastically change on Hollywood. So yeah, for sure, for sure, and it has been that way for a long time. And yep. you know, it's um, they've they've used Hollywood to inculcate us, and 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 folks, I know we're talking we were talking about Jonathan Gray, but perhaps these things happened in the pre in the pre flood world. Um. Maybe uh, actors were, um, um, you know, megal- megalomaniacs in the in the pre-flood world. Um, you know, it's there's we don't know because we weren't there, but um, it's it's quite possible that it was that way. And um, but they they use um, that as a format to inculcate us into these truths or the, actually these lies um, that they want us to believe. You know, and um, I remember uh, back when Frozen first came out. You know, got lots of grandkids, you know, and and if I swore if I heard that song, let it let it go one more time, you know, I, I was going to I was going to drive into a tree somewhere or something. Uh, anyway, uh, it's, uh, you know, God bless them, you know, but even uh, watching Disney movies and everything else, they 
all the little subtleties that are in it, all the little um, pedophilic symbols that are in those movies and everything that people um, aren't, aren't absorbing. I remember uh, years ago, um, we, we got into listening about uh, backmasking where they would say things backwards in songs and your mind picks it up and unscrambles it. And so you pick it up anyway. And, um, and even uh, back in the fifties, I remember they did an experiment where they put one frame of go get a drink of Coke or something like that in a drive-in theater. And so when the movie was playing that came up and then all of a sudden people are getting out of their cars and going to the concession stand and buy Coke, you know? So your mind picks up on these things. And even though you don't see them, straight on peripherally you do see them and so they, they use that as a, um, a form of i would say magic almost to uh, to try to pervert our children to try to pervert us for goodness sakes you know um and it's um so hollywood disappearing um you know all the smoke screens that have set up to keep us from seeing what's actually going on in the world by them taking them away from us or you know, like sports giving us the distaste for it because of all the politics they're bringing into it, they're actually doing us a favor because it's getting our eyes off of those things, like you said just a few minutes ago, and it's helping us to focus on what's real, what's true, and what's really going on. So by them trying to do this in an, in an effort to hurt us, they're actually helping us. And, I, and that's happened all throughout history. Uh, you know, in the early church, you know, the, send the Christians to the Colosseum. You know, well, you know, they got all the people in the Colosseum, all these heathens, see these Christians out there praising God while they're being torn apart by lions and tigers and bears and everything else. Um, and they're going, wow, you know, there, there's something to this. These people have such a conviction that they're not hurt. They're They're actually praising their God while they're being torn apart by the animals. There must be something here. So that turned against the Roman Empire. You know, all kinds of persecution. It drove Nero crazy when he'd go down and see the smiles on people's faces and the contentment on their faces. Um, you know, he would go down and view afterwards, and it's partly what helped him to go insane. Um, he was probably insane anyway, but it, it just furthered it along a lot quicker, uh, fed into the psychosis, so to speak. And um, so um, in the scripture, it says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And I know there's more to that, but... Um, what it's really saying too is it's it's a it's like almost like a double-edged sword because the weapon that's meant to prosper against us actually cuts the enemy while he's trying to use it. So um, it's 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 just so beautiful to watch the Lord God of Israel, um, our, our Savior, our Lord Savior Yeshua Jesus, how he he uses the wiles of the enemy and turns it against them each and every stinking time, and and. He still tries to pervert us with, with different ways, you know, um, I'm talking about the enemy, um, and different methods and different schemes, only to have them used against. And imagine how frustrating that is. And, and no wonder he's such a wicked and evil and mad being, you know, because everything he tries, he knows he's going to lose. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's like, devil, why do you even get up out of bed in the morning, you know? Just stay in bed and don't bother the saints. Leave us alone because God's going to take everything you do and turn it around against you anyway. So why even try? But, you know, that would be trying to reason with a sane uh, being, um, which he is not. And um, so anyway, um, getting back to Jonathan Gray, um, he uh, he uh, he talked about um, one of the things that 
And and Jim, you're you're being quiet. Am I am I quashing you? Um, did you want to say something? I well, I'm I just waiting for my turn, but I'm I'm fine. Okay. Um, I th- well, real quick, one of the things that really amazed me, being a person that works in the medical field, and knowing a little bit about DNA, I'm not going to claim to be a scholar or or even a have a bachelor's degree or anything like that, but um, in in, in DNA sciences, but um, what what really amazed me is that because he always wondered, you know, how did the virgin birth work? You know, how did it work? Because every human being you and I know, except for, you know, if there's a chimera or a, or there's a Nephilim in our, you know, listening to the show or, or whatever, or you've run into them or whatever, um, everybody has 46 chromosomes. You know, you have uh, 23 from mother, 23 from the father. Um, actually, you have 22 from each, and one of those uh, – the last one, the 23rd one, is a sex chromosome. And the X chromosome actually looks like, uh, or female chromosome, the X chromosome actually looks like an X, and the Y actually looks like a Y, which I think is neat. And isn't that interesting that we're, we're right in the midst of the X, Y, and Z generations, too? Um, something to think about. But um, uh, where was I going with this? Um, so anyway, the, the fact that, uh, that Yeshua or Jesus only had, 24 chromosomes, you know, 23 from the mother and the Y chromosome from the father. And I can only imagine the shock on the faces of the Israeli uh, geneticists who he, he turned that blood over to, um, the lab technicians, geneticists, whoever, and then all the other ones that he turned the blood over to. Um, and when they saw this and said, well, this person, yeah, technically is a human being, but a very special human being. One that's never ex- – well, actually, Adam probably was the same way because because uh, Yeshua is called the second Adam. And um, and we know that he was made out of the the, uh, the dust of the earth. So um, it's possible that he only had 24 chromosomes too. Um, you know, that's neither here or there. But um, just the fact that uh, when, when he made that proclamation, I, I, I swear I almost fell to the floor. And when, when they said, where did you get this blood from? Who does this belong to? And he said, this blood belongs to Jesus Christ, your Messiah. And when he said that, I, I just got chills up my spine again when I just said it. Um, it wow. just it just totally blew my mind. And, and how do you refute evidence like that? You know, how, how can your heart be so hard or either in tradition or in scientific method to not be able to realize, hey, I've been wrong all this time, and this guy obviously was and is our Messiah. You know, it just, it, I can't, I can't remember back far enough to remember how I was when I was in my disbelief to, to imagine what it would be like hearing that. But I think that knowing myself and that if I were to hear that, if I, if I didn't know Jesus right now, and I was a geneticist and, I saw that, the, the genetic proof of the 24 chromosomes, and some guy came in and said that that's the blood of your Messiah. I'd drop everything. You know, I, I think I, I, I really do. I think it'd be like Peter and say, okay, uh, no more fishing. I'm following this guy. You know? <laughs> what say you? That'd be game over for me at that point. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's better to have faith and belief, you know, than to have to have it, you know, physically proven to you. I mean, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's no denying it at that point. 
Right. Um, you know, you denied it at that point. Uh, well, that's you got on bigger you. Bigger problems, right? <laughs> you got bigger problems. So, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So. Gotcha. I gotcha. So, Jim, come on, pipe up. Yeah. Okay. Come on, old man. Back in 1974, I got saved. In 75, I started watching or listening to Christian radio. One of my favorite programs in 1975, they were way ahead of the time and, and on the fringe of things. It was called Southwest Radio Church. Oh, yeah. And uh, they were uh, fundamentalist Christians that were approaching, um, fearlessly approaching all of the X-File kind of subjects and topics and ideas that the church would never speak about. And yet they were very um, conservative, very traditional Baptist type, you know, organization. But they were, I mean, it's an incredible, they were not afraid to talk about these kind of subjects that uh, Jonathan talks about. So 1975, I remember they had a program and they had a guy named Dr. David Gabberluck. And he wrote a book, Did Genesis Man Conquer Space? 1975. So what Brian has gone through, you know, with the shake up, wake up, I had that in 1975. When I saw that, did Genesis, I had to get the book. I got it, read it. Um, and right away, that's what led me to start praying about, you know, Lord, where is this stuff in the Bible? Can you show me? And that's when I, he only gave me three scriptures at the time. One was from Daniel, one was from um, Revelation, and the other one uh, from Genesis in Genesis 6. So I looked at Genesis 6, I go, just as in the days of Noah. Oh, wow, okay. So Gabriel, like, yeah, that makes sense. There it is right there in the scriptures, just as in the days of Noah. So, yeah, technology, wow. Um, at the time, um, you know, I, I was fascinated. I looked for any other kind of books like that, and there was there was nothing. There was only one other book written, and it was um, – uh, the sons, the sons of God. This guy had the only book written at that time in 19, I think, I believe it was maybe 76. Um, I read the book. It was way ahead of its time. It was a good representation of um, of the idea of the sons of God that something happened that wasn't just a normal thing. That there was some kind of divine intervention of supernatural beings that had contaminated the human race and and created this crazy offspring. And um, technology was involved and it kind of explained some of that just thought it was only like touching the tip of the iceberg for back in those early days but at that time nobody knew any of this this was the very beginning of the awakening or revealing of just what did involve you know what happened before the flood and it was it included technology it included a mindset like we've already discussed that man has never changed he's always had the same inclination same fallen nature same desire to achieve or accomplish and be seduced by satan to circumvent god's accountability to get the provisions that satan would try to claim to give you free and easy by no accountability and i think that's the the uh, seduction part of um why man ends up falling into these kinds of things so in how can i put it it was that was my first major um, introduction into all of this stuff. Then the first ministry I got involved in was pioneering one of the first Christian motorcycle ministries. I gave my first sermon in 1978 on Genesis 6. Everybody thought it was kind of strange, but then they were used to me being an outside-of-the-box kind of guy because, after all, we were one of the first evangelical Christian motorcycle ministries, and nobody had a 
everybody at first had a hard time even accepting that concept. It proved itself. Uh, now it's become a, almost a mainstream, you know, kind of a thing. But I told my congregation then that that when I knew that there was this the abductions and interbreeding happening again, I would probably have to get into this full time. And I sensed then that I probably would at some time. Well, I didn't know it was already going on. I wasn't that aware of it. Neither was anyone else. And nobody was else was writing much about it, um, at least from a, a Christian perspective. So. Um, in 1996, I started fasting and praying. This is the time when the Lord started to reveal and the foundations for the book Beyond Science Fiction. Um, that was my main wake-up, shake-up when I started seeing all the things that I wrote in my book, which actually was 25 years ago. So for 25 years, I've been accumulating uh, and creating a network, not really even deliberately, of contacts and, and people and different things and, and hearing stories fragmented, not knowing for sure whether there was anything really uh, solid about it. You know, there was no way you could vet these things out. They were just rumors and ideas and concepts and things. So now all these years later, after 25 years of being kind of like the uh, Christian X-Files guy, for me, it's not, it was nothing like, I mean, his discussion for me, was not revealing anything new, um, but it was confirming many things that I had heard in the past that were rumors, that were things that I heard, but they corroborated exactly what um, Jonathan Gray was saying. Um, I've heard people, and I'm sworn to secrecy on them because they're afraid of you know coming forth or anything, so I can say that uh, one of the situations was an exact representation of what happened when he was looking at the crystal skulls that man had to be in the room with jonathan gray at the same time now the the way they described the facility was exactly what um richard nixon and jack uh jackie gleason and gleason had described the complex that he was in uh, when he was shown all of the remains of the crash at roswell and all of the aliens and I know that was at Homestead Air Force Base in Miami, Florida. Mm -hmm. I was stationed where I was looking at this place and had a, my stomach was just churning. I knew something was weird about this place. And I was, that was on a strategic air command base. I had a security clearance uh, that didn't allow me to go into that part anyway, but I knew that other areas that were protected and how they were protected. And this was, this was in a back remote area. I hate to say it. My motivation was I was looking for a place to grow my new uh, hybrid uh, weed that I was growing. I figured, Hey, you know, it'd be more convenient to have it right on base. Nobody would ever suspect it. And, um, you know, I could do this. So I was checking this out and I saw this place way in the back in the boondocks of the base wondering what the heck, you know, I mean, just, I was going here to, do something clandestine and hide it. And here's this huge complex. It's even more protected than anywhere else on the place. And as I'm looking at it, it's the barbed wire is going in and out. So it's made designed to keep something in, but it's designed to keep something out too. So that was really weird. And it was heavily more guarded and protected than any place else. The description that they gave was exactly what I saw in Homestead Air Force Base where I was stationed. And here I am standing at the place, the very building where all of these things were happening that uh, Jonathan Gray was talking about that um, 
I even talked to an, an officer that was a friend of mine when we were out in the Everglades and, and we were talking and he knew a little bit, but he couldn't say and wouldn't, wouldn't say. And I understood he had a secret clearance. I only had a classified. So, um, you know, he couldn't say anything, but so for me in the last 25 years, almost 25 years of doing this, I've heard a lot of stories, but they're all starting to come together now. They're all starting to mold into something very solid that was only kind of iffy at one time before, but now it's solid. I I build up a communicative network of Christians that are involved on every level of every part of scientific research, of um, Department of Defense, uh, you name it. And I, I know people in other areas now and I'm getting information from them that I'm sworn to secrecy on. So, I, you know, now's my coming out time. I kept all this secret before, but now the Lord's saying, shout it on the rooftops. Time's getting short. Don't be shy. Uh, not, not to the point where I would jeopardize these other people. I won't do that, but I can say now that, um, yeah, I've got these connections. There was a time when I lived in Roswell and I had my store. I wanted to, I knew a CIA or one of the government agencies had sent a person out to scope me out. So I purposely threw him the keys to my store and said, Hey, I got to go out for a while. Can you stay and watch the store? He came there to help me out. So I wanted him and I, I set my computer so that I could see if, if anybody was on where they went. And by doing that, he checked every file that I had on my entire computer. Oh, when I was, so I knew he was checking it out, but I also knew that I had nothing there that I was afraid uh, afraid of him seeing. So I wanted him to know that everything I got up to that point was just from the Word of God, and it was. Mm -hmm. That was in um, that was in what two thousand uh, four two thousand yeah two thousand five when he came. So at that point, I didn't I wasn't that connected, but. Now, speeding up to today, I am very heavily connected. I wouldn't want somebody getting into my computer. Matter of fact, I don't keep anything on my hard drive. I keep it on an external hard drive. And I got that hid, so nobody's going to find it anyway. But uh, um, I know a lot of stuff can be verified by some of these people. I mean, if if they knew half, I mean, I even, I think I shared some of this with you guys, you know, offline before. But uh, there's things going on in uh, things that in Europe, there's a museum that's not really a museum. It's a cover for an international think tank um, on technologies and stuff. I mean, there's just all kinds of crazy stuff going on. And DOD is doing, uh, they're looking for traces of dark matter because that is a, a residual of the presence of, uh, of Nephilim. And they're hunting them down. They're, they're searching and tracing. So <clears throat> on my level right now, I don't know because the swamp is deep. We're contaminated. We've been infiltrated. I don't know who's who even, you know, with what I'm dealing with. So I just, I look, I watch, I observe, I pray, I wait for the Lord to give me answers. But I've come to contact to so many different things. You know how that's been, Dave, when we were in Roswell. I mean, it just seemed like oh, yeah. a lot of times we just were put in the right time in the right place to hear and see things that normal people wouldn't have access to or the ability to. Uh, see or understand or do. And so I've had my life for the last 25 years filled with that on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, mm -hmm. That comes to an culmination. And now we're beginning to see everything fully culminated. So when when Jonathan Gray is, is talking, none of this was new to me, but it confirmed many things 
that I had heard in the past. Um, just solid. That, that's why I'm really sold on Jonathan Gray. He's um, my past 25 years experience. He has verified and solidified everything that I've ever wondered or known about. And what amazes me, what I like about him the best is his humility. I mean, this guy's this guy's literally an Indiana Jones. Uh, he's done everything I wished I could do, you know, in, in a sense of archaeology and everything. I've been a geek about archaeology since I was uh, 13 years old um, and a space nut, a sci-fi nut, you know, since then, too. And to see and get to know and have a friend who's actually done a lot of these things is, is pretty incredible. And uh, But what really amazes me is his humility and his love for Jesus. I mean, that's true. I had people on Facebook, they said, man, when you told me that he had all these books and he was giving away free, he says, man, I can't believe it. I got all of them. I've been reading. I can't stop. I can't, you know, it's just, <laughs> I mean, on Facebook, you know, we were talking about the response. My Facebook friends that, that follow the program here, they were completely blown away. This was the best show they said they've ever seen. One gal said, I had to hear it twice. There was so much information. I couldn't get it all at one time. So I, I listened to it twice and uh, really positive reports. But, but the thing that impressed me was, you know, he knows time's short. And so he's just giving all away his books. You know, I started doing I carry books in my car with me all the time. and I pass them out to everybody as tracks. You know, mm-hmm. I got, mm-hmm. I still got 800 books left, you know, time's getting short. I don't want them to, you know, sit here and, you know, rot away. I'm going to pass them out to everybody. I don't care if I sell any of them. I, they're already paid for, so they're mine. I can do what I want with them. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And, uh, and there's just, you know, when you see good fruit, I, you know, he's a Seventh-day Adventist. Do I agree with all of his theology? No, but theology's got nothing to do with this. It's, right. it, you, you can know by their fruit. And so even though their theology may not agree with me, when they have a desire, their burning desire is that, hey, this is all intriguing, interesting stuff, but it's, it's bait to catch fish. He gets that. That's right. what he's all about. That's what sold me with him, man. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to be his friend. I'm just glad he's still alive. You know, being older like that, I didn't know, you know, with this virus thing, you know, if he made it, we hadn't heard from him in a long time. So I was very happy to hear that he's still alive, kicking and still uh, serving and doing a great work for the Lord. Yeah, that's so true. That was for me, you know, for me, that was what I got out of it. He he confirmed many, many things that that I had heard and always wondered if it was true. And coming from him, I think he is a good source to validate what I had seen. Now, I've already seen the chapter, text, and verse in the Bible, but it's good to have a second witness from somebody that's actually been there, first-hand witness, who's a, a, a godly, honest man that's going to tell you the truth of what he saw and what he experienced, and that's what he did for me. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, when we brought things up, too, to him that, um, you know, because, you know, we, we would interject things to him, and... Um, and he seemed to uh, say that what we were saying was correlating with what he was trying to present. And um, so, and I, you know, being a man of um, an honorable man and everything like that, I don't think that he would agree with something if he didn't believe that uh, what he was hearing was correct. Right. So, um, you know, that's another thing that, that sort of, um, I hate to use that term blew me away or blew my mind, but, 
um, it just helped me to realize that uh, with the humility and everything and, and, and us uh, presenting things to him, that he was able to uh, interject the things that we were saying into the things that he was saying and right. um, and use them to um, we, we basically use them to bolster each other up. And um, and that was amazing, too, because uh, um, I know that uh, there was a time years ago when we were talking about the pyramids, he and I. Um, I think that's when when you we had our hiatus, Jim. Um, but I had him on in and, um, and I said to him, I said, you know, <clears throat> you know, you're claiming that the pyramids are um, post flood. I said, are, are they made out of, you know, what are they made out of? And, you know, he said that they're basically limestone. Um, yep, stone was actually gold at one time, right? Right. Yeah. And, and I said, okay, so if they're, if it's just after the flood and, um, you know, it, it, it would be possible that, that there was liquid limestone still around, um, you know, maybe towards the surface. So therefore the, the, it could have been poured instead of the blocks pulled, or it could have been quarried in such a way where you cut it and st- very easily because it was still soft and then transported it that way and then maybe pressed it together because, you know, if, uh, if you've worked with any kind of clay, which it probably would have been the same consistency, um, you know, you can you can do things that way. And then under pressure, because the pyramids are under such pressure, one rock being on top of the other, it's no different than uh, than than uh, uh, limestone that's laying in the ground with 100 feet of dirt over it, you know, Um and so surprisingly, he said, you know what? I never thought of that before. <laughs> and uh, so he's willing with all of his um, his knowledge and wisdom and everything else. He's still willing to listen to people when they when they come up with their their own little theories and stuff and um, and to to consider them and to to even agree that maybe, yes, that's maybe the a way that it happened. And and um, I think that's one of the reasons why I like fellowshipping with him so much online is because he doesn't discount you. He doesn't <clears throat> believe me. I know a lot of professional people. Right. I work with I work with professional people in the way of doctors and stuff. And and uh, you really have to watch the way you talk around them, because first of all, they're doctors, and if you insult a doctor, you know your job's on the line. Um, second of all, um, there's a there's a joke that's a half truth that uh, what's the difference between God and a doctor? God doesn't think he's a doctor. Um, so you know it's it's true. Uh, I, I I like that one. But uh, anyway, um, so you know, having been around professional people a lot of my life, uh, what the last thirty years or so, I know that uh, I know how to walk around them, how to tread around them, and and what I can and can't say. But I don't feel that way around Jonathan. I feel like I could be free with my thoughts and my my feelings, and I can you know and share them with him. And um, and not feel like I'm going to get cut down or, or something like that, and 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 that's a real blessing right there too, you know. Yeah, he seems to understand the 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 Genesis six paradigm now. I I, I know at one time when we had him on a show a long time ago. Um, he wasn't necessarily convinced of that aspect. Right. Um, but based on our latest show, um, listen to his response. Um, I could see that even things have changed a little bit for him as well. Uh-huh. So. uh-huh. Well, you know, I mean, as I mean, and you even think just the, the knowledge base, you know, back in that day, uh, Eric, when we had him on and then, you know, 12, 
years later or so, um, quite different. You know, our technology has progressed. I mean, we were in the days when Dolly was the first sheep that was cloned and, you know, and everybody was excited and knew about it. Now that's old hat stuff. I mean, now there's such, you know, the transhumanism and, and all of the other integration of machine man mm-hmm. cloning and, and, uh, uh, trying to establish an international, we're not going to clone animals with with human kind of thing, and the Japanese refusing because they're going to they're going to do it. So, I mean, I think it makes him more aware that wow, there really was some kind of hybrid entities, you know, that existed then. So I don't think he was at one time that open to it, but now he sees that it's already starting to become our reality. Therefore, just as in the days of Noah, you know what? If it's happening now, it happened then because we're in the days of Noah. Exactly. He gets it. Exactly. Wow. And, and now it's accelerating to the point where, you know, gee whiz, I mean, you know, well, and some of it, when you, when you find it in scripture, then it lets you know just what really is going on in the present. Like um, in one of the minor prophets, Obadiah. It says there's a prophecy that uh, it's referring to Babylon. It says that though you mount up to heaven with the wings of an eagle and build a nest, yet I should take you down. Now, when you look in the Hebrew and look at all the words in the Hebrew there, building a nest literally means colonizing. Right. Establishing a colony where not under a dome. So it's a little light. It's no in outer space, the second heaven. And. This eagle mounts up and colonizes space. Where if so the logical point is if we are in the last of the last days, we went to the moon, that's all we know about. Nobody's telling us about no colonies in outer space, except the rumors that we consistently keep hearing with all kinds of acclaimed evidence and proof, which does seem to make a lot of sense. Um a secret space program, well, gee whiz, there's your validation right there. It's in the Word of God. If we're in the last of the last days, it's only common sense to believe in that somebody's colonized the space somewhere. We just don't know about it. Right. We know about it What from the scriptures say. If we're in the last of the last days, somebody has already colonized space. So is there a base on the dark side of the moon? Were we the first ones to get to the moon? No. No, probably happened around 1945 from New Schwabenland mm-hmm. in the Antarctic and uh they left and colonized the dark side of the moon and made a big old funny comedy called the Nazi. Uh, um, what is the name of that movie? Iron Iron Sky. And, right, uh, right. And now then he did a sequel called uh, uh, about the Hollow Earth with Hitler riding on a T Rex. You know, I mean, let's so let's make something that's serious into some, some something that's so comical everybody will laugh at it and think it's just totally weird. Well, yeah, there was elements of truth in that in that movie, but they right. obviously very much uh, messed a lot of it up, you know, to make it look very foolish. To, so, make, to make the whole thing look uh, ridiculous, so yep, that well, you mentioned it, you know. I remember when, when uh, Nazis at the center of the earth first came out, and that was probably around, I think, 20, 2011, 2010, somewhere around there. And uh, everybody, I got all kinds of emails uh, Jim, did they read your book? Did they were you were you uh, providing them with technical information on that or anything? And I said no. What movie? Oh, let me go watch it. And my jaw dropped. I mean, oh my gosh, I can see where they thought that. Um, 
But again, it's like, you know, and I, I'm telling everybody, thank God that I had a, uh, a 2004 uh, copyright on the first copy of my book that was FJ ever published. So that, you know, that kind of validated to, hey, I didn't get it from him. They got it from me. <laughs> so, right. Yep. Right. That's just wild. Well, you know, another thing that I don't know if you guys remember this, but he talked about um, in, when uh, they were talking, to, he was reading the transcript from the what was on the um, the the tablet, or that looked like say. a tablet, yeah, like a yeah. yeah. And he read it, and he said, you know, <laughs> we can do anything, and we're going to shoot for the moon, you know. And mm-hmm. and then when he said that, I flashed on, and I can't remember what it was, whether it was Apollo eighteen, or whether it was uh, one of the um, something that the Chinese sent up there, or what. Um, but uh, supposedly a craft was found on the dark side of the moon with a um, with an astronaut, and I think she was um, actually black, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, seven foot. Yeah, seven foot. So she was a giant. And she was black. So there you go. Um, you know, they did make it to the moon before the flood. Um, so, and again, just as in the days of Noah, so it shall be at the coming of the Son of Man. So, um, yeah, it just. Like I said, everything click, 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 click. It was like watching um, Sheldon Cooper put together a jigsaw puzzle or something, or, or you know, or, or watching Bobby Fischer play chess. <laughs> you yeah. know? It's uh, that's that's what I got out of all that. It's everything fit. Everything fit very nicely. You know, when you're um, Ryan, you're a construction guy. You know, you you build things, and you know that when you when you cut every board correctly and you cut every pipe correctly and and you measure the wire out mm-hmm. just right, you know, the sense of accomplishment and satisfaction that you feel that, hey, this went really well. Or if you build rebuild an engine, you know, that first time you turn the key and that thing starts up and it mm-hmm. sounds so nice, you hope anyway, um, and it sounds yeah. so nice and it, and it purrs, you know, and you're like, I built this. Or you built your first computer. You know, and you and you, you put the you, you push that start button, and then all of a sudden it starts up and it boots up, and 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 the sense of accomplishment. You know, I can I can. Um, that's that's the way I felt when we were listening to him. Like there was finally verification um, that everything that we had studied all these years was was being verified in just two short hours. <laughs> it's yeah, totally, totally what amazing. I- what else was amazing about him when he was talking about when the Israeli government sit the six soldiers down there dressed as Levite priests? Yeah. Um, I, I was, and and they died trying to move it. I was reminded that his word lasts forever. And we think because we're in the 21st century and we're under grace that God is like laxed. Like he's laxed on sin. He's laxed on, eh, it's all right. Yeah. You know, like he's more lax. Like the churches, uh, Eric mentioned, I totally agree that the churches are are like more like businesses than churches. And I'm not going to name my church, but I'm I'm really disappointed in my church uh, how they are bending to um, the world right now because of COVID. And yeah. so, but but God, I mean, I'm reminded because when David, King David brought the ark back in after it had been gone for a long time, and he got it back. He was bringing it back into Jerusalem, remember? 
and it fell. I think this is the right passage, and it started falling, and one of the servants grabbed it to keep it from hitting the ground, and he died because right. God was strict, says you're not to touch it. That's why they use poles, you know, to carry it. And so that word back then was, what, 2,500 years ago? Those six soldiers were not Levite priests. That was their first mistake. Yeah. The second mistake was they just did the, the big, you know, the guy thing, you know, pick up the car, get 10 guys, just roll the car back over. You know, they picked up the ark because they're guys. They're not thinking. They're not trained Levite priests, and they don't fear God. There's no fear of God, and they ended up dead. And it reminded me, God's word doesn't change. It That's does right. not change. And people say, oh, we're we're grace now. We're the New Testament church. And I'm thinking, heaven forgive us if we are, because right now the New Testament church in America is in bad shape. That's right. And uh, we need some good Old Testament fear. <laughs> you yeah, know, we, do. we need some good old, good old Testament, actually New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira lie uh -huh. to the Holy Spirit about when they're going to sell property, they're going to give it to to the church, and they didn't give exactly what they said, but God heard it. Uh -huh. And I'm not, I'm not wanting judgment. People just start being, you know, struck by God. But when Eric brought up the churches, um, that's actually uh, to me is a huge thing because this the COVID. Actually, there's good coming out of it. I mean, I never thought I would say this. One of the things that's showing who the real church is, yeah. who the real believers are, at least from that standpoint, um, it's yeah, they're, also... They're, they're totally subjugated to that system. Yes, um, 100%. They have, to do, they have to do whatever they're told. Yeah, so. you're right, Eric. Yep. And then the other thing it's showing with the church is it's showing... Um, who the true, I'm not saying true believers, but it's really drawing the line. And I think the line's going to be drawn even more as time goes on. Okay. And uh, I mean, when you start taking a vaccine and you can't work or buy food unless you get a vaccine, and I know that might sound crazy, but I can see that happening very easily in this country, especially if Biden wins. Um, so um, the, the church thing and then the fear of God, the fear of God is missing in the church. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. The respect and the fear of God is missing. And if you look at the current generation of young people, there are some really good young people out there that love the Lord. But a lot of those people protesting, air quote, protests are young 20 to 30-year-olds or younger. Uh, they're not fearing God very much. Um, they're not yeah. they're not fearing anybody. And actually, they're trying to put fear into good people. And so when you take the fear of God out of a civilization, out of a group of people, you take that away. You have anarchy. You have these protests. You have exactly what we're getting right now. And it's been bred, in my opinion, into our society through all the universities and colleges, including some of the Christian ones. Yeah. Yes. Because a lot of them have gone secular for what you said, that that uh, that was the tax code for, um, uh, what was the tax C3. code? 501c3, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and it's all about money. And and I and I think Eric said, or maybe you said, Dave, that uh, maybe this is the end of the mega church as we know it. Eric, yeah. I, I think it is. You know, and, uh, yeah. When I look yeah. at them, you know, they require so much money to sustain um, those large um, types of entities. Um, but you're seeing, you know, a lot of people starting to walk away from them. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's and, so true. and it, it, it reminds me. Uh, I went to visit a church oh, 25 years ago in Canada, and I heard a story from a speaker there, and I'm taking it as word. He was a pastor, and he went to China in the mid 90s. This, this is when this happened. And there's a church over there called the Wilderness Church. I'm not sure if it's still there. But they meet out in the wilderness in the Tibetan mountains because of persecution. They can get killed. They can't meet in their homes anymore. So they meet out there, and he's, he had to sneak in to China. He got a flight there, but he had to sneak in to this area because uh, he's American, and he's very tall American. He's like six six or something, so he stuck out. And... He came back and he told us that there were 5,000 people out in the wilderness of the Tibetan mountains. They'd meet a couple of times a week and even in the winter. And he saw with his own eyes people dropping dead from the freezing cold and then the elders and the deacons going around and touching them and they'd come back. Wow. He said dozens. Of, he said he saw hundreds of people that happened to they would just drop. But they said they'd rather come and worship God in the freezing cold and take a chance dying than not doing that and being in their home where they can't do it. Wow. That's and awesome. now I'm thinking about we're locked in our homes in COVID. A lot of believers are think they're doing their part to, to curb the disease when in fact they are, I think going against what scripture says, as you see the day approaching, do not forsake the assembling of the saints. And that's exactly what's happening. Right. And these poor people were dying. They were dying to go to church, literally. But they didn't care because they wanted to worship their God at the mountain, literally, like Moses. Right. And here in America, we're cowtailing to these um, – Not they're not even laws. They're not even legal laws. And people are in fear. And there was a guy on the Internet. I can't remember his name. He says masks are basically – mind control devices we just put them on because we're told to right and i think god's calling us through this program and through all of us to tell people the truth it's time to stand up for what you believe and tell the truth right and about all the nephilim about the scriptures about the ufos about everything because if we don't do it and people like us don't do it then they're going to do it, whoever that is, and they're going to skew it yep. and twist it and spin it. Yep. Uh -huh. That's right. Yeah, I'll be quiet. Sorry, talking too much. Well, you know, no, it's interesting what you bring up about the COVID and, and staying inside our houses and forsaking the fellowship is um, that, um, uh, you know, I've, they, they came out with a warning years ago about using hand sanitizer, that uh, what you're actually doing is you're killing good bacteria, too. Your body yeah, needs right. good bacteria as well as bad bacteria, and they counter each other. That's why sometimes when you take an antibiotic, they want you to eat yogurt or, or take a probiotic 
so that you're refreshing the good bacteria because if you don't, the bad bacteria is always a little stronger than the good bacteria. It ends, so you end up killing the good stuff, the bad stuff takes over, and you get stuff like, I think it's called C. diff, is one of the diseases that people get. It's a very nasty mm-hmm. intestinal bacterial infection. Um, the same with the, the skin. Um, uh, people are getting uh, bacterial infections on their skin. Now, sometimes these things happen, okay? Some people are prone to it. But if you're killing all the good bacteria that's on your skin, what's happening? Well, if you stay in your house so that you don't catch any kind of bacterium or viri or anything outside from other people, that's not necessarily good either because your body has to constantly work uh, when, you, when you're in public places. It, it acquires different things, and your body you know, builds up defenses against it. And, and so you're building up defenses against every little thing so that when a big thing comes along, you know, it's, it's kind of like um, I'm trying to think of an illustration here in Oregon. Um, you, if you have an ap- apple trees out in your backyard, the deer are going to come. You know, they're going to come and eat your, your apples. But if you build a fence that's six feet high, the deer are going to think twice. They can still jump over that fence and get your apples, but they're going to think twice, and they're going to go somewhere else where it's easier. You build a higher fence, then you don't have to worry about it. Well, same thing with the bacteria. If your, if your body is constantly making antigens and stuff to fight bacteria and viruses and fungi, um, then when a big one comes along, it's not going to matter that much because – it's got three quarters of the battle done already. Okay. However, if you stay in your house and you're not out there, you know, exposing yourself, um, I think they call it herd immunity. Um, You you, you need to have that. You need to have your body fighting for you. Um, And if something's not in motion, it it, it tends to to stop motion. Um, It's a physical law. Um, But if, if something is, if your body is perpetually fighting, it's used to fighting. It's kind of like, um, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I, I used to have a lot more muscle mass than I have right now. I was very strong. I could lift very heavy things, tow things around, um, win arm wrestling contests. If I had one today, I'd probably break my arm. Um, but anyway, it's as you get older, things start to entropy, um, and, and, and things don't work as well as they used to. Uh, what's that saying? If you don't use it, you'll lose it. Yeah. And, and and so you have to keep using the body. You have to keep getting out there and stuff. And and I, there was a um, <laughs> a, a Shlemiel that was on online the other day, and and he said he was you know, challenging uh, people that were anti um, anti mask and stuff like this. And and I said, you know, I wear a mask for people like you who are afraid. You know, I said I'm not afraid. I said, and I said I will be afraid. When you can convince me that a mask that'll protect you down to 200 microns will protect you from a virus that is 0.02 microns, when that mask is effective, then I'll start wearing a mask for my own health. You know, and boy, I'll tell you, that just really affected him in a positive way, in my estimation, you know, because it got him to think, you know, and it got everybody else to think, too. You know, it's like. People don't think anymore. They want to think, and that's the whole thing with the mask. Oh, the government's right. They're telling me to wear the mask. The government knows what it's talking about. I'm going to follow the government. You know, boy, imagine if Christians or anybody decided to follow the Lord in that manner. What a world we'd have. It'd be wonderful. Yeah. But uh, it's just not going to be that way. Yes. Anyway, go ahead. You know, it's interesting in New York, um, 
they, they were making a comment about the, the people that were dying of COVID and what they were disturbed by was the fact that the majority that were dying were people that were actually self-isolating themselves in their homes. Right. They were dying at a higher rate. Uh-huh. This seems to coincide, Dave, with what you just stated about uh, the isolationism and actually not going out and actually um, building up your immunity in general. Right. So, you know, the right. other thing is that um, most of the people that are going in there, you talk to them, and they're scared to death. They're afraid. Mm-hmm. I, uh, most of the Christians I know that got it and went in, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to beat it. I am not dying. This is not going to kill me. Um, I'm sick, but I'll get over it. And as a man thinketh, so is he. I mean, that's right out of the word of God. If you think you're afraid, you know, that fear, we got to address this virus as almost a demonic entity. And it's right. perfect cast at all fear. But if you're going to come in there all fearful, look at wherever people are judged for. They're not judged because they did bad things. They're not judged because they were anything other than fearful. Mm-hmm. Fearful mm-hmm. Fear is the root of all evil, actually. They were fearful. Why? Because they didn't trust God. You don't trust God, you're subject to the world. You're subject to the God of this world. If you trust God, you're going to be safe. If yeah. you don't trust God, you're not going to be safe. So the fearful are the ones that are going to compromise. I have to get a vaccine or I can't feed my family? Oh, well, okay, I got to do it. No, you got to realize that you have a God that can provide for you. Even in the hardest of times, there's going to be, you know, not everybody's going to be on board with this happy new world order type type of thing. So let's say they force a vaccine on you or you don't can't work, can't work anymore. OK, now you can't work. But you know what? There's going to be pickup trucks looking around for Christians. They're going to work for half the price and, t- and double the you know workload. And if we're willing to humble ourselves and do that, at least we're going to get a day to day provision for our families. We're, there's right. always a way. But it may be. Un, you know, it might be uninviting. It might be work that we've never had to do before. Um, you know, hard labor, and we're not going to get hardly paid anything, but it is a provision. And if we can accept it and have the humility to accept it and live one day at a time, God's going to provide us just like he did Elijah. The more we know about God's word, the more we know about his provisions and the fact that we can have faith in him, it's when we become fearful and don't trust him. That's when we compromise with the world. That's when we compromise with the devil. So we got to treat this whole thing as an entity. And a lot of times, I mean, you know, if, if I ever got sick for anything, no ventilators. As soon as uh, people are put on ventilators, they die. The That's ventilators, right. more people than anything else, because in, they induce themselves into a coma where they cannot fight with their mind. They can't engage themselves in spiritual warfare and fight this thing. And this thing will kill them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when hard times come along, it's really surprising. Even well, you know, we have the Lord to help us to, to show us and guide us. But even the even the secular people, the worldly people, they 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 can get you can get quite inventive if you're hungry. Okay, uh, what do they say? Necessity is the mother of all invention. Okay, yeah. um, here's here's a, a case in point, um, and I think I can say this man's name, and he's probably passed away. He was pretty old when I knew him. Um, he was an old welder named Joe Uda. He was from Germany. He lived in East Germany at the time, uh, you know, after the war. And it was before the Berlin Wall was put up and, uh, and the Iron Curtain. And, um, and they were starving. 
And so his mother told him one day, says, she says, follow the hamsters. And so he's like, follow the hamsters? She goes, yeah, just follow the hamsters to their burrows and then dig. So he, he went out to the field and he watched the hamsters and followed them to, the, to their burrows. And then he dug. And what he found out is that the, the hamsters would, would take the grain from the field and they would bolt, they would put it in a um, little chamber in their, in their, um, in their burrow. And they would ball it up, um, you know, maybe like the size of a baseball or something. And so he would dig up the um, the, the hole or the, the, um, the little place where the hamster lived and um, and find and find the grain, you know, get five or six of those, bring them home. His mother would mill the grain and then she would bake bread out of it. And I was like, wow, that's ingenious. What a, what a mind that, that woman had to tell her son to go do that. And she learned that because she, you know, Europe was always a hard place to live in. And so she probably learned that from her grandparents and stuff during hard times. And so they survived. And, you know, he, he survived to where he was able to, uh, he ran the border. He actually escaped, uh, jumped, the wall was there yet, but he got out of uh, East Germany into West Germany. Um, came to the United States, was one of the best welders I've ever worked with in my entire life. And, and, um, you know, it's funny. He, um, uh, he had been bow, browbeaten by Christians. Um, you know, you need to get saved and everything like that. And, and, you know, that doesn't work with some people. It doesn't work with a lot of people, actually. Um, and he came up to me and he says, he says, David, he says, you know what I like about you? And I said, what? And I, he says, you know, you have a faith. He says, I know that. He says, and you exhibit that faith. I see it, but you don't beat me over the head with it. He says, and I respect that. He, and, you know, so then he was willing to start talking about the Lord and what, you know, what the Lord was all about, what coming to faith in, in Yeshua or Jesus uh, was all about, why he needed to come to faith and everything else. Now, he never made a decision while I was talking with him, but he had all the information. And and so humility is, is, is a wonderful thing. Um, I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about him. That uh, he, although, you know, a lot of people say, oh, he was German, he was prideful. That's that's a characteristic of Germans. They're, they're hard-headed, they're stubborn and stuff like that. But, you know, everybody is to a certain degree. But once you get to know a person and you're able to, to I don't want to say work yourselves into their lives because it almost, almost makes you sound parasitical. Um, but you're able to, to be able to communicate with them in a way that they understand and that they like. It's, it's a lot easier to talk to them about things like this. And so where am I going with this is that, um, like um, was just said earlier, you know, um, I think it was you, Jim, that said, you know, yeah, well, if they say, you know, they, we get fired because we won't take the injection or whatever. Um, yeah, there are going to be trucks that come around and say, hey, Christians, you want to go to work? I'll pay you half of what you were getting or even a quarter or maybe I'll just pay you in food. We'll, we'll barter. You work, I'll give you food. Um, and and that will work out just fine. You know, and God, we used to sing a song in church, uh, God will make a way when there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He is by my side. He will be my guide. Hold me closely to his side. And I can't remember the rest of the song. But the whole thing is that God will make a way when there seems to be no way. He did it. He illustrated it thousands and thousands of times in the scriptures. Um, and if you've been a believer for any length of time, he's, he's, he's exhibited in your own life and he'll continue to do so. And you're right, Jim, about the fear. You know, the, the, the opposite of hate is, or the opposite of love is fear. 
Hate is a manifestation of fear. Amen. Okay. Yep. It's a yep. manifestation of fear. And um, so and it only makes sense because um, fear is the opposite of faith. It's, and faith is love, right? So yeah. it, it only makes sense that that's, that's the, uh, the appropriate definition. And um, so when, when these people, you know, when, he, when you walk around and you don't have a mask on and they're, and they, you know, they say something or they give you a dirty look, they're not doing it because they hate you. They're doing it because they're fearful. And, yep. and you got to feel sorry for them. You really do. Um, mm-hmm. And you got to hope and pray that, you know, that the light bulb will come on, that, that God will talk to them and say, hey, you know, um, you know, the little picture, the little chain, you pull a little like, ching, the light comes on, you know, and and, um, and they'll say, you know what, I'm, I'm fearful for no reason. You know, nobody that I know has caught it um, and stuff like that, you know. And, and um, so uh, scripture says that um, my people perish for lack of wisdom. And not just his people, everybody perishes for lack of wisdom. Um, so, you know, we got to pray that God or Yahweh will um, will bestow wisdom upon the unbelievers, too, so that they, first of all, will, will get over the fear. And second of all, and most importantly, that they'll, they'll see that there's somebody that can help them get over the fear and can give them a boldness and a... And a um, and a faith uh, to be able to get through the day and not worry about all this stuff. Um, I, it's it, attendance. <laughs> we were in a store the other day, and um, I made a statement that wasn't very kind, and I'm not going to say it, but it had to do with our governor. And um, the girl behind the counter, um, she was all of probably 19, 18, 19 years old, maybe even younger, looked like a summer job for her. She told me I wasn't nice for saying that. Well, you know, partly, it's partly true. I wasn't nice. But it was set out of frustration, and I, you know, I really do not like our governor. Um, she's the, the spawn of uh, Pat Brown, uh, Jerry Brown's sister. But, um, and she's truly a wicked person. But um, still, you know, we're supposed to pray for people like that <laughs> instead of saying the thing I said. But um, still, it's, it's, it's important that we just keep our focus and, and realize that, um, you know, I, I, I've run into Christians before that get mad at sinners. Oh, they're, why, why did they do that? You know, why did that person say that? Well, here's a newsflash. Sinners are supposed to sin. That's a characteristic of being under the sin nature. You sin. You can't expect a person that doesn't know Jesus or Yeshua or doesn't know the law of the Lord to abide by the law of the Lord because they don't know it. Their, their tendency is to lean towards sin, rebellion, and, and all kinds of debauchery and everything. And um, so, you know, when you got your coworkers out there and they're, you know, they're railing against Trump or God or um, not that the two are even equal, but um, or, or they're railing against God in general, um, we got to realize that uh, that's their nature to do that. And that should be all the more impetus to be all the more forgiving. And, and to pray for them all the more <laughs> because um, they're in desperate need of the truth. They're in desperate need of salvation and desperate need of knowledge of who God is and why they need him, what sin is and why they need to get rid of it and who can get rid of the form. I'll stop. <laughs> That's really good, Dave. It is. Uh, I get on a roll. I can't stop. No, gotta... Thanks for stopping, Dave. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Uh, gentlemen, right. we got a kind of a late start. I don't know how much longer you want to keep going. We've been going almost an hour and a half. So I'm, I'm beginning to get pumpkified, but I, you know what? I got to look for some really cool pumpkin pictures because you really are. You know, I, I was looking back at some of them that you posted. <laughs> Pretty hilarious. But uh, I do I do apologize for the mix up, and I, I want to let you know that while we were talking or while you guys were talking, I got on the eBay and I ordered a set of earphones. So. <laughs> We will, we will not be having this problem again. Um, you know, nothing that I can control anyway. And um, so uh, we will be able to start on time next week. Um, speaking of next week, um, do we have any ideas? Uh, I know that we talked about contacting Rod, Jim. Yeah, um, I can get a hold of Rod. I'm sure that they'll be available. We could bring them in, maybe talk about dreams or whatever, maybe. Yeah, he's been posting some really neat stuff on Facebook, and I wanted to talk with him about it, so. Um, but, uh, yeah. And also, uh, I want to get a hold of our, um, chemtrail guy again, too. And, uh, cause I, to be honest with you, I, I don't know about where you guys live, but we have had, oh man, Brian, oh, you should see it here. It's, it's like 94 degrees with like 90% humidity. Yeah, it's that's, like, that's how it is here. It's, uh, uh it was a hundred today with 87% humidity and yeah. the chemtrails. Yeah, I was at the beach yesterday. I live by the beach uh, in L.A. and there were tons of chemtrails. Okay, Big so ones. we still have them. Okay, yeah, oh, they were yeah, all over the place. It's been intensified here too. The chemtrails have, but I notice it every day that it's cloudless. Man, they are out all over, just spraying crisscross all over the doggone place. By noontime, um, in the morning, you know, let's say, but by noontime, they've dispersed into a a fine haze all the way around. Uh, huh. You can't clouds, but it's just a haze, a continuous haze, because they keep expanding out, expanding out, and then they blend in with each other, and then it's just a continual, constant haze all the way around. And, you know, there's been rumors that, um, and you medically would have a better handle on this than I do, but whatever the uh, whatever the substance is that causes people to get sick when they get a vaccine, yeah, that is something that they can make airborne. And it, they were saying that this may – they may not even need a, like a bubonic plague or any other plague. But if they can spray enough of that and saturate the atmosphere, they can produce the, all the symptoms of a second wave, even though there's no one uh, – there's no second wave that could even oh, possibly – I have no they, doubt that that's true. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I told – But I, it's, doesn't it make sense? Yeah, I, well, I told you that when, um, when I, 2008, when I went down to, to see Lourdes down in Mexico, uh, yeah. Brian Lourdes was my first wife. Um, and, uh, the plane, I, I kid you not, the wings were cutting through chemtrails. And, um, and I went, Oh boy, this isn't going to be good. And cause, you know, there used to be a rumor that, you know, they don't take in air from the outside to bring into the plane, but that's a lie. They do. Otherwise, everybody would die of carbon <laughs> monoxide poisoning. Right. Uh, but anyway, um, the minute we – well, we landed – I landed in Guadalajara first, and then they flew us to Mexico City from there or flew me there. And um, the minute I got off that plane, I would say from that time, about two hours later, I came down with a bronchitis that I had for two and a half to three months. Isn't and, that what ended up turning into H1N, uh, the swine flu? Uh, I don't know if that – no, I think that was a separate thing. But ever since that day, ever since that day, I catch pneumonia easier. Um, I catch bronchitis easier. And um, 
you know, I'm right now I'm, I'm going through something. I don't know what this is, but, um, uh, so it's, um, I have no doubt that uh, they can spray stuff and, and just think about how it can be disseminated because it just, you know, it's, it's, if they, if they pump it out in such a volume that, you know, it's, it kind of sticks close together and, and comes down, uh, there's no way you can get away from it. You, exactly. Even if it's a bacteria, you, you could probably wear a medical mask for a bacteria and get away with it. But uh, if it's a virus, forget it. And, um, you know, uh, see, a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people, don't, they think that if, excuse me, <coughs> that if somebody coughs in front of you, um, you're immediately going to get sick. But it doesn't have to do with um, the virus itself. It has to do with the viral load. There, there's so much, so many viri, let's say, that your body can take in and you still won't get sick. But when the load becomes so heavy that some of it gets through and your body can't fight it, that's when you start getting sick. Okay? So well, that's, what, that's what we're being warned is, you know, about to perhaps happen. And so when I'm seeing an increase on the, the um, chemtrails, it makes me wonder, wow, could this, you know, could this be it? Because yeah. there is, I mean, the COVID virus burns out, man. And look at the heat wave we've been having. I mean, it's like it's dead, but they're, they're, they're keeping it revived in the fear. My God, if you listen to nothing but uh, network news, you couldn't help but to be afraid because that's all they – I mean, they're even starting to have commercials with everybody wearing masks. It's so flipping ridiculous. I know. Yeah, there's it's, one uh, out there that says uh, right at the end, you know, it's, it's no, no speech, just words, and it's a yellow screen. And at the end it says, uh, put on your mask, don't go out and, and deliberately – or don't go out and kill somebody today. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I see. Oh yep. my goodness! Yeah, it was uh, 130 today in Death Valley. Oh my goodness! That's insane. It was the third hottest recording on Earth ever. I don't yeah, think I, I could. I, I don't think I could stand in that. Yeah, I've been in 124 in uh, desert training when I was in the army at White Sands, and oh. me, oh my gosh! And that's with full gear on. Yeah, um, not a happy thing. Not a happy place to be. People well, literally, the, the two things they fought over, we had a uh, 50 gallon tanks of um, iced tea. Well, tea anyway. It was ice before the ice melted, but <laughs> we had iced tea and we had toilet paper. Uh huh. I mean, people would fight over the toilet paper because you're in a desert. It's nothing but sand. They call it uh, it's sand or hand. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> sand or hand. You know, <laughs> I'm getting that toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! Yeah, but you know, in all all due respect, um, a dry heat is a lot easier to tolerate than a than a, a muggy heat. That um, is true. It is true. Yeah. Down in California, it could get up to 116 in the Sacramento Valley, and although it was uncomfortable, that it, it, I could tolerate it at night. It would always cool down anyway. But um, here, um, I I wrote on Facebook yesterday. I said. It's it's 93 degrees out. The humidity is 97 percent, and whoever ordered the clouds, I'm going to find you and I'm going to get you <laughs> because <laughs> that, it stayed hot a long time last night, and and the and the heat and the mugginess was you know it reminded me of living back in New Jersey years and years ago with no fans, and um, 
it just was not a pleasant experience. That's the way Michigan is too. We're surrounded by lakes, you know, the Great Lakes, and and so we get that you know water effect. So everything, the humidity is always high. So it is killer. Yeah. Uh, so believe me, after living in the desert and growing up and living in Michigan most of my life, uh, ninety to ninety degrees with a ninety-five uh, barometric, you know, um, thing is is it's it's tougher, much tougher than 114, you know, with with being just dry. Right, right. Uh, it, none of it's easy, but that I think the 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 humidity it will make it so that your mind can't even think right. You know, it's yeah. just hard. And 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 if you listeners that live in Florida, I don't know how you do it. Um, I have a mother. I have a mother that lives down there, and I will not go down in the summertime to visit her. Um, even in the winter time when it's only 70 degrees out, you break out in a sweat because the humidity is so high. And it's like, you know, I guess they acclimate, you know, you, as you get older, you can't tolerate cold that well anymore. And so yeah, I guess you welcome the heat, but it gets to the point where, you know, where it's pass out time kind of heat, you know, and, um, sorry, um, I'm not doing that. Uh, if the Lord ever says move to Florida I'm gonna, or come home, I'm going to take the ladder. Um, <laughs> well, all the crazy people are in Florida. Yeah, that's all true. All the crazy stuff seems to happen happen there, anyways, in the news. Yeah, well, I guess when you live in that kind of humidity and heat, it I told you the mind. It affects the mind. I told you. Right. Oh goodness gracious! Well, gentlemen, I guess maybe we'll wrap it up. It's. Uh, it's uh, time for, well, let's see, it's 11.30 out by you guys, right? Yeah. How about uh, Jim? Sure. Yeah. Yep, it is. And it's uh, 10.30 out by Eric. And here in, in uh, on the left coast, it's only 8.30, but I'm sure Brian uh, is probably tired. He's been working long hours, and and um, <clears throat> I'm a little tired myself. So um, anyway, um, I'm glad this worked out. I'm glad that um, – I'm glad we didn't go for two hours before I realized there was a problem. <laughs> That's for you sure. Know? But we've done that before, Brian. It's happened. <laughs> so yeah. um, when I saw that the, the, the it wasn't registering bars across on one of the um, one of the areas, I'm like, uh-oh, something's not right, and we better stop it before we get too far in. So uh, thank the Lord that that all worked out. But um, anyway, gentlemen, it's been it's been nice. It's been um, pleasant. Uh, behold how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. And um, yep, that's right. So um, <clears throat> until next Monday, um, uh, we uh, I, I pray you guys have a wonderful week, and I pray that the audience does too. And um, <clears throat> and thank you, uh, Elwin Song. Um, uh, she said, "God bless you all." The sound was great during the second show. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> You know, you know, with this lady, I, I I don't know what I do sometimes because you know if there's if there's if we're cutting out, she lets me know. If um, if the sound's too low, she lets me know. And it it's almost like she's my technical advisor in the background. And so let's make her, let's uh, make her technical advisor then. <laughs> yeah, you're your official technical advisor of the opposing the matrix show. Uh, Might as well. So, yeah. So <laughs> thank you thank so you, much. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, uh, an audience, uh, have a blessed week. Jim, do you want to end up in a prayer, and uh, we'll we'll go ahead and shut off. 
Father, we just thank you for this uh, debriefing. Lord, you say that, you know, this is the apocalypse, the lifting of the veil. You're showing us wonderful and mighty things and the realities for what it really is, Lord. And we just thank you and praise you for it. And I pray that you'll put a peace and a calm in people that have a, that are afraid of the unknown, that they can be not unknown to you, that they can put their trust and get to know you deeply, have a relationship, not a religion, so that they don't have to fear anything that might come up upon them. Yes. We're about to embark on some pretty crazy things, Lord, that we don't even know ourselves fully yet. Help us to psychologically, emotionally, spiritually be prepared by having trust and faith in you and not being afraid. Lord, I just pray this for our listening audience, that they can overcome any kind of fear by having trust in you. Perfect love casts out all fear. Help them to be perfected in their love with you, to be mature, to be stable, and to be immovable, to know your secret plan, that you have a plan and you are in control. We ask this in your mighty and precious name, Jesus. Amen. And amen. Amen. Okay, guys. Well, I'm going to shut her off. Good night, audience. Okay. Good night.